hopping on a little late because the gastrointestinal issue turned into another issue and trying to get our bearings, but hey, we're dedicated, not dead. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been a oof, a morning, this weather. I think that's part of what it is. The weather change is like a... Did you sleep good last night? I'm a tank. Yeah, I guess so. You guess. That's yeah, a I, yes or no. <laughs> I had... Uh, I was watching a show, one of the shows that I watch, uh, called Living Single. It's an old show with Queen Latifah and Ken Fields. And it's also uh, like a sitcom. Matter of fact, the, the show Friends uh, is supposedly based on Yeah. And so, it's a good show. I was watching I just fell asleep. It's like... Oh, <laughs> like in the middle of watching it? Yes, fell asleep. So, wait, did you wake up to one of the episodes still going? Did I? No, I didn't. I woke okay. up to text messages. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, my phone going off is what woke me up. And that was like at 7, I remember, like 7.16 this morning. I've been up there since 7.16. I woke up to text messages like, you didn't call me back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, I know who that was about. Yeah. And I was like, like I was like, okay. I thought, she was supposed to call me back. Good morning. Yeah, I thought she was supposed to call back. She did call back, but I was on the phone. Oh, like I guess the back signal, my back signal didn't call. Like it didn't come through, but she did call back. She like sent me a screenshot. Oh boy. Yeah, but it's cool. I mean, I was like, I'm sorry. I said probably didn't go. Yeah, didn't go through on my end. But yeah, man, Uh, been up since that that early. And um, just kind of spending some time. Oh gosh! But I think this weather drill. I think this weather and this sudden change, like, is what it is. It always happens. And if you if you live in east the East Texas area, you know exactly what we're talking about. It's like when this this weather like this, like it's cool and it's kind of you know warm generally. Uh, generally speaking, and it's not too frigid, and then it just drops. It causes everything in your body to just kind of, like it's trying to reboot. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this isn't normal. I think that's what it is. But um, Well, they extended the winter storm warning to 9 tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's... They're predicting the road conditions to yeah. deteriorate. It's, it's crazy, and uh, you don't expect... We don't expect to... Uh, you doing too much, but in Texas, with this kind of weather, you just kind of got to take it easy. Got to hunker down. Yeah, because... Unfortunately for us, though, we don't get days off. Yeah. We did the show here, so it doesn't matter. Yep. No days off. Even when we're off camera, that is, we're still... Working. Yeah. Anyways. But, yeah, so let's get with the show. Uh... The L.A. Lakers. Yeah, your Lakers lost. Yeah, man. I wasn't, but it's like I said yesterday, I wasn't expecting anything drastic from them. I mean, with LeBron out and AD out. I didn't expect them to win. I was disappointed that they didn't score. That, that overall, I mean, they scored, you know, That's, over 100 points, but yeah. overall, it was not a good performance. No, that 
they pretty much nearly evened out. Everybody, nobody got into the twenties uh, last night. Uh, I think the two highest scoring was well, top three maybe. I think it was like eighteen. I know Rui had uh, sixteen. Um, yeah, Rui had sixteen. Bryant had eighteen. Bryant had it. yeah. So those the two Westbrook highest scores. only had seventeen last night. Yeah. So well, three highest seventeen, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen. Yep. Um. So you know, ultimately that played a, that played a role uh, in that game, but. It is exactly, you know, um, Kyrie didn't have, Kyrie had like 26, I want to say, 26. Well, yes. No, yeah, 26. 26. And then. Mills had 21, Thomas had, had 21. 21. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, the, they got outscored. I don't, I didn't watch the game, so I didn't know like the action behind it. I just know that uh, it, it was obvious with LeBron and AD being out. I'm not surprised with with uh, LeBron. I am kind of shocked with AD. There was some soreness in his right foot. Uh, I'm guessing because of the um, the injury that he sustained um, a couple of months ago. But yeah, they they were they've been kind of quiet on yeah, what exactly um, is the, the issue. That's I expect that with any organization. But the thing is, it's like I've been saying for the last two weeks is you know all we need is for AD to stay healthy. Uh, for the next three to four months, or, uh, and that's the big part about it now is trying to figure out, okay, what's, you know, will he be back? And, you know, is this like, you know, he needs to rest another game and, you know, then evaluate and then come back, or is this going to be like another week to week type of deal? You know, and that's, that's not helping their case because, I, I like I said, they're sitting at, uh, the play in game. Yeah, the play in game. You know, they don't necessarily have, a spot they have to play for a spot to get in, um, so that's that that's another uh, I guess another concern uh, of mine and for the Lakers if you know if you're trying to at least hold that spot or get into the twelfth spot, um, but then on top of that you know LeBron having ankle soreness, uh, I guess him just playing through that the other night or whatever happened. You know, we joke about, you know, maybe he was, he tweaked it while he was doing all that jumping around and carrying on. Like, I mean, um, but, you know, it's, it, it was, a, I think this last night was a shot for them to see what they were without those two. Yeah. Um, to see what they had, uh, they didn't do terribly bad scoring uh, individually. I think, like I've been saying, is that there's the chemistry, there has to be chemistry. Uh, and they have to run different rotations. Now, they had to run rotations without Anthony uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but I think that's a good thing. I think last night was a test for them, even though they lost. I believe that it was a test to see um, who they were without those two the two big players. Um, well, we saw that with the Nets. It took them a minute, you know, to to kind of get things together after uh, KD, uh, KD went yeah. Down. And so I. I believe that the Lakers somehow, uh, depending on how long these two are out, they'll somehow get a win. I, they have the players to get a win. They just have to get it together on working as a team and uh, finding that chemistry and just going going for it. Um, I don't think it'll be too hard. I don't think it'll be, you know, just too just out there for them. But I do believe that they'll get it done. 
But I, I after the last night especially, I think if I'm the Lakers, you know, maybe you get the playing game, maybe you get in. But I think you really have to look at the roster as it's constructed and say, is that, like, because last night kind of proved my point about they have no middling player. Like, they, they have no key pieces that can step up when bigger pieces are yeah, out. Yeah, you, you, yeah. And, and I think you have to evaluate that. Like, why why do we not have those players? Is it because we're paying too much money to, you know, some of our top-end guys and we just don't have the, the salary cap space? Or what's the issue? Well, the, the thing is, in order to do to get those type of players, you're going to have to give up something at this point. Uh, I guess looking in and skimming the, the free agency market as of right now, which is only open for another two weeks, roughly. Uh, and so you you have to scam that market and see, okay, what's out there uh, or who's on the trading block. As, as I said before, now, he's not a key player, but he could be useful uh, in the rotations and in that game. Is um, Seth Carey. Um, the, the the Brooklyn Nets are looking to putting him on the trade block, um, so he's another sure shooter for you. But if you're if you're the Lakers, what are you gonna have to give up to get him? That would be the question. And what are you willing? Well, to part it's, with? it's it's Seth Curry, and I don't think I don't believe you have to give up much. Um, I don't, however, want another situation where it's one of the top players or players like. Uh, no, Lonnie Walker just came back. I don't know what kind of game he had last night, but uh, Lonnie Walker, before he went out, was very pivotal in their game. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of uh, Malik Monk, who I wish they would have kept. Uh, Walker he, had 13 last yeah. night. So, I mean, Malik, not Malik, uh, Lonnie Walker is a is a, another piece to that offense. Now, he's not a key piece, but he's a contributing piece. Um uh, so I do believe that, you know, you don't want to get rid of a piece like him. But when it comes down to it, it's most likely because you've already gotten rid of Kendrick Nunn. And um, you're not going to get rid of AD or, or Westbrook. I, I, I can see them, it possibly being like a Pat Beverly or a uh, or like a Lonnie Walker. You know? I, I think at this point he probably is in the, the range of a Lonnie Walker. I, I don't know that you could command a Pat Beverly type player for Seth Curry. Like I, th- I think that'd be a little bit steep of a price. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I think that's a yeah, little I mean, you, steep you, of a price. You're right. It all depends on the type of player that the Nets value Seth Curry as. You know, what kind of, you know, how, how highly do they value him? And uh, I'm a Seth Curry guy. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's a good yeah, role player. He, he is, but... But it, I, I don't think that he warrants a Pat Beverly. That's just... I mean... I, I mean, I don't think so either, but those just seem, for as the Lakers, the two yeah. guys that will be on the market. But Because Pat Bev, you know, has put it out there, he might want out. You would assume if they moved on from Kendrick Nunn, they'd be willing to move on from Walker. But how how long are they going to keep trading young pieces? That, that would be my... That's the other concern I would have if I'm a Lakers fan. How long are you going to keep trading away these guys... That may very well turn out to be darn good basketball players, you know. But because of whatever and trying to just hurry up and plug a hole, you're going to trade them away. Well, you it you don't want it, want them to trade away 
to where it's detrimental to the season um, and then the coming seasons. Uh, I, at this point, I seriously don't know why they're trading. I, I'm not looking at the Lakers to go far into the playoffs or deep into the playoffs. I do expect them to get in. I don't expect them to stay in. But I guess if they're looking ahead and they're saying, okay, we want to at least make it to uh, the second round, you know, we want to we want to make it make it to the second round out of the playoff out of the playing game. It's the first round, and then uh, into the second round. I think that's you know we want to at least make it there or further. So you got to get the pieces that you can get now, uh, while you can. Now that may bar letting some guys go, but it's just like Rod Polinka says: if it's championship caliber players out there that he believes that are championship caliber players. You know, he's going to make those calls. You know, he's going to make that trade or, you know, that sign. And so I, I think that's what, you know, that, that could be the move that they're on. I don't agree with letting, I don't want, I mean, I don't think Lonnie Walker should be a trade piece, but as of right now, he's the only one. I, it just feels like the Lakers would be better suited to kind of put a pin in it for now, see if you can get in, see what happens, and then take a deep breath, you know, in the offseason yeah. and evaluate your contracts, your situations, the way that that roster is constructed, is that the kind of roster that, you know, Darvin Ham wants? Because that, that that's the other thing, is that nobody's thinking about what kind of a roster does he want. Yeah. He, you know, he got stuck with, with this roster, but if he's a defensive-minded basketball coach, yeah. what kind well, of a roster would he want? I think, you know, it's just like, okay, well... The you look at the Brooklyn Nets coach uh, and the and the Celtics they got stuck with that roster and I think Darvin Ham has you know he has the pieces that I'm not saying that he needs or wants but he's working with what he has and um, though they're not the winningest team they're not the top they're not the top they're sitting at that 13th spot they're doing the best they can with what they have um, but you have to I mean you have to. You have to think about, okay, do I want to, do I want to sit and just kind of settle or do I want to make a push? And I think they're making a push, um, which is fine, but you just got to know, you got, like I said, you have to see what's out there that's worth that push. Um, and like right now, Darvin Ham, I don't think is too vocal about what he wants, well, it's just like Pat Bev. Pat Bev is his kind of guy. Plays tough, uh, you know, plays well in the paint. Good defensive basketball player. And he's the first one to say, hey, this isn't working. I want out. I mean, that, that would be a red flag for me if I'm Darwin yeah. Ham, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think Pat Beverly was looking at that moment. And the situation that we're in in that moment, you know, said, okay, this probably isn't what I thought it would be. But all I'm saying, and uh, I will be asking of Pat Beverly, is to you know stick it out. I, you know, it's the reason why Darvin Ham uh, wanted him and brought him in. Uh, a very specific reason because that, I mean, before that everybody knew Pat Beverly like this. You know, he's trash talker. You know, he gonna talk trash. Yeah. But nobody really, before that, you've seen the defensive play in him. 
But I think adding Darvin Ham to that coaching uh, as the as the head coach of the Lakers and knowing his type of play, how he played when he was with the uh, was in the NBA, you know, and we talked about this before, is that he played with some tough guys. He played yeah. with Rasheed Wallace, uh, uh, Ben Wallace, you know, those guys. So he played on a darn good defensive team, you know, and those dudes could ball. And so you 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 have to. You know, realize his mindset. That's the kind of guy he's looking for, and that's what he sees in Pat Beverly. You know, he sees that defensive, that dog, in him. And Pat Beverly adds that to that to that Lakers team. There's nobody out there. There's you know you you need that dog mentality. You know, yeah. Russ has it. Uh, Bev has it. You know, Schroeder once he gets going, he has it. So it's 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 few of them out there, but you you need it. I mean. If you don't, you have no grit to your team. There's no grit, you know. And I think I, I won't say LeBron has it because LeBron is LeBron is just a he's a basketball player. He's good, you know. He can he can get you points, but we need somebody that's gonna, you know, get in your head, you know, and back it up. Yeah, mess with you a little bit. Yeah, and be able to back it up. And so Pat Bev has has done that, you know, um, here lately. But if I if I'm Darvin Ham, you know I. If you if if I'm looking for something, that's like, hey, you know, I I notice we need a key player. I notice we need a um, somebody that's coming off the bench that can be our sharp my sharpshooter. You know, I'm going to Rob Palinka saying, listen, um, this guy's out here. You know, we've been we've been assessing this guy, evaluating this guy. We believe he'll you know he'll fit well with this team in our rotation. But it's ultimately up to Rob Palinka and what. You know, he deems as being, as what he says, a championship caliber player. Which he never really defined, by the way. Yeah, he never specified what what he meant by that. He just said, if it's a champion, uh, champion, uh, championship caliber player, he's going to go get him. Get him. Uh, he's going to do what it takes to go get him. And I get it, but, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what are you looking for? Yeah, but, what do you, what are you looking for and what are you willing to give up? That would be my question. Yeah. Um, Russell and, Westbrook uh, last night moved up to tenth all time in assists, passing Gary Payton. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at that and thinking, how are we going to view Russell Westbrook in the long run? Because hmm. I mean, he's moving. You know, he's a leader in triple doubles. He's moving up in assists. He puts up points. I don't think he'll be be that player that kind of fades to the back, you know. Um, he'll always be that standout guy, and here's why: it's because, like I said, Russ Russ has a game about him. He has that dog mentality. He has that like I'm gonna go get it at all costs. Now he may make some some questionable plays, some questionable uh, shots, but he's gonna go get it. And so I don't ever think Russell uh, Westbrook would ever fade to the black to the back. And people forget about him simply because, like you say, he is climbing the charts. He is climbing the list. Uh, you know, he leads in triple doubles. He leads in assists and everything. And so, people's all people are always going to re- remember that. The thing with Russ is, is, like we said before, is he now he's starting to play with a team. You know, when he was in Oklahoma, uh, OKC, uh, you know, starting out he had Harden and he had KD. You know, it was yeah. so, they were, they were the top three over there, uh, Iguodala and all those guys. And then you have you you move on 
to uh to Houston, right? Mm-hmm. You move on to Houston. You're not. You're kind of the second row guy next to Harden, and you don't get that much shine. You know? Right. And then you go to Washington, and you're, you're the number one guy again. You know, and you continue on your game. Now you're with the Lakers, uh, and you're kind of playing. You know, the role the role player. You're the role player then now. Which seems to be working out very well. Yeah, and I mean, the point that I'm making is those teams that he went to weren't complete teams. Uh, the only complete team that he's actually been around was, you know, when he was in OKC. You could argue Houston uh, with James Harden and those guys over there, but uh, Mike, Mike D'Antoni, while they were good, they were able to shoot all those threes and all that, they couldn't hang with a legitimate team. Uh they could just out, probably outshoot you, but they couldn't hang with a legitimate team. It, it was a regular season offense. Yeah, it wasn't a playoff season off, off it, up, yeah, offense. But Russ now is with a team that, okay, I don't have to be that lead guy. I don't have to stand out. I can just play my role mm-hmm. and, you know, get mine when I'm supposed to get mine and help me, be, you know, contribute to the game. And that's fine. You know, it looks good on him. That's why I'm pushing for him to stay in L.A., because I believe if you give him time, if you give him, you know, more time, by the end of this season, we'll see a different or more uh, tri- um, set in Westbrook rather than just like he was last season, just trying to fit in. Yeah, you know? it, it feels like he's a more rounded basketball player now yeah. than he has been in other places. Well, now we see his basketball mind. You know, he's not just the shooter and getting the triple doubles and all that. We see his bas- We're starting to see his basketball mind. You know, as far as setting up plays, uh, making plays, um, and, sh- and on top of that, the shooting and being a leader. Like yeah, he's actually stepped up at times. Right, and so it's like I said, it the games that the Lakers have, you know, been down not by much. Uh, in those close games, he's kept them in it. By the majority of those games, he it's been Russell Westbrook that has kept them in those games. You know, with his toughness, like his resilience. So that's what you have to appreciate in a player like that. And you can't let a player like that just go for whatever reason. And so. Yeah, that, and that he's a name that, you know, early on was floated as a... It, it felt like for sure he's gone. Yeah. And now it kind of feels like probably not, yeah, which well, is interesting to me. Well, it's interesting because, like I said, last season everybody saw the atrocity that it was with him. It's like, what in the heck is going on? What is he doing? Why is he making these passes? He, he didn't fit in. Yeah. But I think that was just part of Frank Vogel not knowing how to pair him with uh, different rotations, you know. And Frank Vogel's rotations were bad, too. They were horrible. You know, he, he put players with players who shouldn't have been on the court together. Um, but we didn't see that Westbrook that we were used to seeing last year. It's Now it's like, okay... He's starting to figure out his role. Darvin Ham has got him going somehow. I don't with whatever offense that he's running and the rotations, and um, the players that we have now. And so you, you we're starting to see Westbrook is coming into his own. That he's starting to fit that puzzle in L.A. It's you know so that's why you don't hear about him as much being on the trade block as you as we were last year or uh, this last summer. Yeah, but so. I, I, like I said, I believe Westbrook is uh, a very good fit for the Lakers. 
Um, we're seeing him. He's a well-rounded basketball player, and we're seeing his basketball mind um, that he can't get the job done. So I think you just continue to give him a chance. Although know? I, for one, would love to see him in Dallas. Well, I know you would because you're, but, I mean, you're uh, a Mavericks And fan. the Mavericks won last night, 111-105. to 105. Doncic had uh, 53. Dinwiddie yep. had 12. Uh, Hardaway had uh, Hardaway Junior. Uh, sorry, had eight. Everybody else uh, single digits, but Luca wow. took over the game. Well, okay. Well, I ain't gonna say too much about that. We talked a lot on that about getting him help, but I don't know if Luca. I would have to relook because Luca's out there playing. I mean, he's... Luca can single-handedly yeah, take over Yeah, I mean, he is just out there just playing. And so, I mean, it's like you look at that and say, okay, does he want help or is he just trying to make a point? Well, it, it feels like, I mean, because he's made comments in the past about, you know, wanting another player yeah. to kind of help carry the load. And possibly, but <laughs> it's just what I'm seeing through my eyes is like, okay... Because he's having fun with it. He is. So that's why I'm like, okay, does he really want help? Or is he just like, if I got to do it, I, you know, I'll just, I'll do, just it. do it. But um, I, I like Luka. He has, like I said, I, I like a player with some grit to them or a team with some grit to him. And, uh, you know, he, he was trash <laughs> trash talking. I think it was the coach last night of uh, who they play. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was trash talking them. Or something like that. He was trash talking somebody. And he was like, "If you're gonna," so very specific word that he used. But he said, "If you're gonna do it to me, I'll do it to you. I ain't scared." Golly. Yeah. And so he's got that it factor. Oh, you know, most, that you want most most definitely. Um, but for him to to be the high score the high scoring player on his team in that game. The only one with, well, I'm not saying, well, yeah, the only one with double digits. Yeah. That says a lot. Well, no, uh, Dinwiddie had double digits. Oh, well. He had 12. What, to his 53, you might as well have single digits. Yeah, I mean, comparatively speaking. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, they're getting it done over there in Dallas. And, you know, somehow they're they're figuring out wins. And uh, Luka is a very big part of that. But you got to start winning some of those winnable games against the teams that are ahead of you. That that's going to be the key with Dallas, and it is because okay, then that's where we get into that talk where okay, he needs help because those are winnable games that they should be winning, right? Yeah, and they're not winning because if he if you had just one other guy and Luca did com- didn't have to completely take over for a team and wasn't put in a position where they're doubling up on him. And- yeah, against the I mean against a good team. Now he can shoot the lights out all day against a bad team. Um but it's the good teams where he struggles. You know, he may still get his 50 or whatever points, but he needs the rest of his guys to, you know, back him up and get some points too. And so that's where we get get into the talk, okay, yeah, they need to add somebody else to that roster like yeah. now. Um but last night was a very good win for them. Uh, uh, Luca pretty much sealed it towards the end uh, for for the Mavericks. Made it hard for the Pistons. I mean, you can't come back. You know, at, I think at one point they were like at a four point, four or five point uh, difference, and then Luca just 
took over and made it six. Yeah, made it six, and then he made it nine. So, I mean, it's it's like, you know, he's like, Dad, gum, man, you know, we were this close, but when the ball's in his hands, you just you just have to watch and pray. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch and play, pray and, I guess, play the best defense you can. I mean, that, that's your only only chance. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the only hope to stop him. Play the best defense that you can. But we say what we say every day, almost every day on the show. You gotta get him help. Got like it, it. You know, you do that, and you're probably play. I mean, not only you're a playoff team, but you're certainly you're a, a playoff contender. Yeah. Like now, now we're contender. talking about you in the finals. You know, possibly. Well, I think it'll be smart for them. Uh, is that if uh, Seth Carey is out in the market, go bring him back. I think it'll be smart for them uh, to go bring him back. But if you need another big player, um, I'm calling Kimba Walker. Yeah. I'm calling Kimba. I'm just, you know, at this point, that I'm making I'm making moves to get him Cause you're, Dallas. I mean, you're Dallas. You're tied with the Warriors at five. Uh, and then you're half a game out of the four spot, game and a half out of the three. I mean, you're right there. That That's... that's 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 the key. yeah. That's the thing about the West It's so close. Everybody's within one game or so away from each other. Yeah, and so you have to you have to be you have to be greedy at this point. You have to like okay, I'm willing to do what it takes to get to whatever spot. If you can get that number three spot and be a serious contender, you guys you got a shot it's just as well as anybody else. You have a shot uh, even better as just as well as Denver and. Um, Who's sitting at that number two spot? You've got uh, let's the see Pelicans, here. ain't it? Uh, Grizzlies, the Grizzlies, two. and then uh, the Pelicans. Pelicans have fallen down to eight. Oh, Oof. yeah, they've gone one and I nine over was... the last ten. I thought they were still up there. Oh no, uh, okay. They, well, they, they've they since, had some serious issues. But since they fell off, so you're in good shape. Dallas is in good shape. The um, Mavericks are in good shape to take be top three. I say they by the end of the season they should be top three. But if I'm if I'm them, I'm making calls. Uh, I'm making some calls because you want to be sure. You know, it's it's cool Luca win games like this. You know, it looks good, but don't settle for that. You want to get over the hump of getting those uh, us beat of beating those big teams. You know, the top teams, and so you, you don't want to look back and say we lost a series because we didn't make. X move, yeah, you know, what, you, whatever that is. Like I said, I'm for real. I'm I'm calling Kimball Walker and say, hey, what's the deal? You know, do you are you interested in coming back and playing? You know, in the in America, uh, in the NBA, are you interested? You know, because we got a spot for you. I mean, you can't pass up on a player like that. You can't pass up on a player like Seth uh, Seth Curry. You have to make moves at this point. I mean, yes, you won last night, but down the road. You're gonna need some extra push. You're gonna need some extra go when you know, Luke. So Luca can be able to say, "Okay, I'm. A, I can get these. I can get these points, but you gotta at least get twenty. Yeah, at you, least you, you gotta put yourself in a position where you can take three out of five or four out of seven. You yeah, know? and and as it stands right now, that you're asking a little bit too much of Luca, you know, to be able to do that. Yeah. So, uh, some some more news in the college football world regarding the NIL deals. And Nick Saban is back in the headlines uh, with this situation. So let me, I, I want to be sure that I quote him uh, correctly here. So there were players, apparently, this is what he said. 
He was at a conference uh, or a convention yesterday, and or uh, the other day, rather. And this is what he said. He said, someone with one of the best corners in the nation came to me and asked if we'd pay them $800,000 for the player to sign here. Uh, I told him he can find another place to play. I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. So Fox uh, then Fox Sports then reached out to several coaches and other attendees to confirm that that's what he said. He did say that that's what he said. He went on to say, uh, one player wanted five hundred thousand dollars, and for us to get his girlfriend into law school to Alabama and pay for it, I showed him the door. Mm. That's where he stands on NIL. This is the the day by day almost. This is turning into yeah. more and more of well, a disaster. Well, this is well that last one you just read sounded more like a bribery type of deal, and this is what I said. This is my response is the same as it was yesterday. Is you can tell some of these kids don't have agents, and that's the problem. Is when you start these kids start talking about they want all this money. You better be darn sure you got an agent by your side that know how to talk you through this and help you through and, and with these deals because you don't you just can't go to a coach, especially not Nick Saban. And said, I want this and this. And expect him to say, okay. Because in his eyes, you're not that good. Yeah. You are privileged. To come to Alabama. Yeah, to come to. It's not, you're not. And, and that's the thing is, with these players, some of these kids making these or wanting these deals, just because it's your name, likeness, and your, and your image, does not mean that you are... Uh, entitled to that school's money. You're not entitled. You're privileged. Like a school like Alabama, you're 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 privileged to go there because not a lot of guys go are able to go there, and let alone play. You know, and so you can't go to a coach like that and just say this is what you want and ask for that. Oh, you you have to make the team first. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay you all this money. And you're not going to play. No, you and, and, and your girlfriend's not even a part of the deal. I, I didn't even sign up. I didn't recruit your girlfriend. And, and the other side, the player that asked for the $800,000, his high school coach is the one that approached Saban and said this is going to be the price. Yeah, no. You have high school coaches now so that calling means that- up these college guys saying, okay, I've got a guy who wants to play for you. I think he's good. I'm going to send you some film. And oh, by the way, the starting... Price, but this is but this is why price. it's been taught. You need to implement some type of draft if you're going to be talking prices like this. But that coach doing that tells me that he's he's wanting something out of it. So therefore, that kid isn't going to see all that money. No, they're getting kicked back. Yeah, but but I go back to why all of this story, this all story with Johnny Manziel, and I mean he was kind of the poster child for it. And then you go back to the NCAA uh, football game, the the video game. That's where all of this started, because players looked at that, Jay Manziel looked at things like that, and what Texas A&M was doing with his uh, merchandise and, and all the money that he was making, and he said, that's not right. Like, you, you know, you're making millions of dollars off of me, and I'm not seeing a dime. That's what NIL was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, NIL isn't even about that. The kid has done nothing to have... An NIL. He doesn't have a name, image, and likeness. We don't even know who this kid is. So, at what point are we going to go back to the original purpose? And that was, okay, if 
Alabama has a t-shirt with your name on it and they, you know, make a certain amount of money, then you get a percentage of that money. If the the football game that's supposed to come out, you know, sometime this summer makes a certain amount of money it uses you, then you're going to get an X percentage. That was what yeah. NIL My, was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to yeah. be all this free money being thrown around like it was free agency in the NFL. My, and this is it's probably going to sound stupid to some or most, but my suggestion for these big schools like Alabama or uh, any team in the SEC or these team, any of these big schools that's offering NIL deals, my suggestion is you start going to these JUCO colleges, these little small colleges, and looking at guys from there. You know why? Because they're playing because they're trying to get to the next level. They're not playing because they want money or NIL deal. They're playing because they're actually trying to work their butts off and get to yeah. that level. You start going to guys, you start recruiting guys from there, other than waiting for these these spoiled high school kids talking about, oh, I want this. You ain't done nothing to get it. And that was Saban's point. He said, I'm not paying somebody yeah. who ain't you haven't money. touched. You haven't touched a foot on my field. You haven't played a down. I well, heard a whistle blow, and you're telling me you want this? Oh. And then on top of that, that tells me that the players are now expecting these athletic booster clubs and, and the institutions to have the money to fund this, which is not where the money was supposed to be coming from. Right. But it all goes back, and I you know I hate harping on it, but it goes back to when Dion opened up his own pocketbook and started paying players. That's where all this got... The day that he paid Travis Hunter to come to Jackson State, Everybody else looked at that and said, if he's getting paid, then I should get paid. And that's why Lane Kiffin came out and said, I sure hope that these kids get the money that, that's being thrown around because they're not signing contracts. And then you look at you know the, the quarterback uh, that was supposed to go to Florida, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, lost down thirteen million dollars that was supposedly promised to him, no contractor. Or whatever, and, and I'm still interested to see how that comes out. Uh, not only from a legal standpoint, and how because that's going to set the precedence for now how you know these players and and families can retaliate if the money doesn't come through. But also, does the NCAA, who wants to suddenly hop into everybody's business, say something? You know, yeah. do they step in? But I, I think that the minute that that happened, and it made national news that, hey, I'm going to pay Travis Hearn to come play at Jackson State. Well, it, it I, this, the tone. this is what I think that needs to happen. Because we talked about the NCAA needing to step in and say something, and they haven't. This is what needs to happen. If that's going to happen, the coaches, these college coaches, Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin, and whoever else need to step, these big-name co- coaches need to step up and say something and make a push. But but they have. You know, you have Saban going to these conferences saying, listen, this is wrong. He talks about Texas A&M. But I just wonder. Players. I just Lane wonder. Lane Kiffin have, has said it's not good. Yeah, well, have they talked to the NCAA? I, I know what they're putting out in the public. Yeah. But I, have they gone to them in private? Because, I, I don't know. You know, we, we yeah. haven't seen anything. But I get the feeling that the NCAA has closed the door and said, if we don't see it, it's not going on. Yeah. Like, uh, we well, just don't want to deal with this it. Is, that's the problem. Is I, I know, Like I said, I know what they're saying in public for us to be able to see and hear. But that's all good and dandy. That's fine. We got an insight about, about it. But 
there needs to be a serious push, and a serious push happens behind closed doors. Yeah. Not in the public. And so, if it's going to change, they need to make a serious push behind closed doors. Because you shouldn't have a kid out of high school coming to you and saying, I want this before. And before you, you played to, it out in the football. Yeah. And you haven't even made the team. That's the big part. You haven't even made the team. So, you know, you have to, you have to look at that and just say, they don't, you know, you don't deserve anything. You're not entitled to it. Uh, you're not entitled to this school's money. You haven't played. You don't even have a jersey number, you know, uh, or even qualified to be redshirted. So, therefore, you, you're you, not. You've done nothing for the university at this point. No. And so, no, you don't have that money. But like I said, it's, like you said, it's just like Johnny Menzel who looked around and seen all, you know, well, they're getting all this, these millions of dollars off of my, my name, my image, my likeness, and I, only, I ain't seeing a penny of it. I'm starting selling my autographs. <laughs> you know? And he got a bad rap for it, but I thought he was right. Yeah, he should have. I mean, I don't have a problem with him making some money because I don't think it's right that these institutions, because at the end of the day, they're not student athletes. You know, we were talking about uh, one one kid that I coach that's in college uh, at a prestigious university now playing uh, baseball, and you know the comment that was made to me, he doesn't go to class. Mm-hmm. He's not a student. There's no such thing as a student athlete at that point. It's a business. They're there to win football games and to make the institution money. So therefore, because it's a business, and because that was always the well, you know, they're getting a free education out of it. That's nothing compared to what the institution is making off of them. Yeah. That's chunk change. So right. I have no problem with them making some money. I just have a problem when we get to a point where this money's just being thrown out there. And, and and again, I go back to you're not apparently from from everything that's been you know released up to this point. There's no real contract. Like no. you, you know, you're just telling these kids, okay, we're going to pay you X amount of money, and they may never see the money. There's no guarantee that they're going to see the money. I, I I just I think that this has gotten way out of hand. You have you know coaches now that have said I won't ever coach the college level again. Because it's not the same. You know, you have coaches turning down head coaching interviews that, that, you know, years ago would have made some moves. Yeah. But they're not going to do it because this has gotten out of hand. And I think that that's just a detriment to college football. Yep. But the NCAA, I've said it too many times over, is they have to do something. I mean, that's just the bottom line is that they have to do something. I mean, you you can't turn a naked uh, blind eye to it and just be like, oh well, you know, if it ain't affecting us, you know, if they're not coming to us for money, then it's fine. Well, they're they're just so selective. It's just like you know, every once in a while we'll hear a leak about the Michigan situation, and then it goes quiet, like we hadn't heard anything for what a week and a half now. Yeah, I tell you what, and this is what should be happening: you stop giving nil deals from these schools. You stop giving, you know, listen, we'll set you up with some sponsors. Uh, just like what well, Travis Hunter now has has his own hoodie out. He has, he's sponsored by a drink, and I dealt with it. And, and that the, was what it was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, and, the, and the, the kid, the Popeye's kid got sponsored by Popeye's. That, that's fine. But okay, as he's school, talking about a random NIL deal, that was it. Yeah, it just happened overnight, really. Um, but... Um, that's how it should happen. 
We'll set you up with some sponsors, people who will sponsor you, uh, and get be able to be willing to give you a deal. Um, but you got to play first. Yeah, you you got to play, and then on top of that, if that don't happen, then NCAA is gonna pay you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, start making the start saying you y'all got to come out y'all pockets. Yeah, you you instituted it. Yeah, come out you your pockets. You started it. Yeah. Because, and you're making all this TV money. Yeah, and you you you're the one who had an issue with play with any of these athletes getting help from anyone, anyone or anything in the first place. You start paying them. Yeah, yeah, you start paying them. And, and the other thing is that none of the NIL stuff has been linked to the TV deals, I and mean, I don't understand that at all. If anybody should be paying for these players, it's ESPN, it's Fox. It's, you know, CBS, all of these uh, I mean, mega TV people, yeah. the SEC network, so forth and so on, they're making money off of these players. Why is that not included? I, I, it's just so selective, and it was not at all the way it was intended. Yeah. But you're telling me you can't give a percentage? Right. I, I, they're not asking for the whole, the whole uh, load, the whole, you know, bring in, but, you know, just a percentage. So... You know, I, like I said, NCAA has to step up. And they have to say something about it. They have to do something about it. Not but just say I, I just thought that that was interesting. You know, that he's at a coaching clinic and or convention, and he he says, "Listen, this is the direction it's going." Basically, tell him, "Don't call me." Yeah. Like, like you don't need to call. If I want one of your players, I will call you. Yeah. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. I I just think that it's going to change recruiting. I mean, it already has, but yeah. but now you have coaches calling like they're agents, and and I think may he rest in peace, Mike Mike Leach was right. Do a draft, like if it's gonna you know institute some sort of do do something, figure this out, because you know just the wild wild west of hey we're gonna offer you one point three million dollars come on down, you know, or or you you know you get an Ohio State with Quinn Ewers. We're gonna off you all this money. Come on down, skip your, you know, state championship caliber senior year, and then we're gonna replace you. We're gonna recruit, you know, two guys above you. I I, I just don't see where it's beneficial to. Any, I I don't even see where it's beneficial to these players, because even if you get the money, you're not playing. Yeah. And I think that's what's forgotten about this is that college football is about playing. If you're gonna play in the NFL, you gotta have feel. Like they don't care that you made. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars. They care about can this guy play, and I think that these players are making some choices that are detrimental to their future careers. Their, right, mm-hmm. whether or not they, you know, they're they're going to be able to, you know, get a higher draft pick in the NFL. Yep. You know that at some point they've got to play and they got to play at a high level. Yep. You know, I I go back to Travis Hunter. I, in my opinion, he's wasted two great years. Of his, you know, college football career because we don't know how good he really is. And I think you really run the risk because after this year you're draft eligible. You know, that, that's three years under your belt. I I think that you're running the risk if you get exposed against a USC or a UCLA uh, or, or even an Oregon this season that your draft stock's going to fall because they're going to look yeah. and say... Well, I've seen... Okay, with Travis Hunter's situation, I'm not worried about him. I, I, he's good. I've seen film on him at Jackson State. He's good. He's okay. Uh, and, and because I've talked about that before, is Travis Hunter will be fine. 
there's a reason why he's recruited to all those top recruited by all those top teams uh, because they knew he could cover those guys. Uh, but what if he doesn't? I, I guess uh, he does. Like, I'm, I'm telling forward. you, he has covered those type of guys because he's covered them when he was in high school. Some of those guys that are playing for these teams, he's probably already know, already talked to, know about, and trained with. That's why I'm saying it doesn't. I think you're looking at it because he played at Jackson State. He played at Jackson State, but you forget what he did in high school against the same guys who are playing at schools like this now, and the summers and all the camps that he went to and covered and caught over the same guys that are playing at these big schools. I believe Travis Hunter's going to be okay wherever, wherever he's at because he's played against guys like this. Well, I'm not saying he won't. I just think that it would be interesting if he gets torched. He's not. Every corner's going to get torched. But but I'm saying consistent. Like, if he proves that he's played at too low of a level and, and he can't ramp it up, I think his draft stock you know, falls. I mean, it's 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 fine. I, I think he'll be okay. I don't think he'll... He's not going to fall flat on his face. And if he does, he'll get back up. Who haven't? Well, we, I, I'm just saying... Talking, the, well, I mean, not, I'm just using him as an example. I just... My major point that I'm making is that it's a detriment to these kids, not just him. Yeah, it's it's just you know you have you have to like I said you you really do have to take into consideration about you know I mean you have a good point too you have to take into consideration you know your future uh, and what you're what you're looking forward to. Um, but now, if you're not going to play football at the next level, yeah, if you're not, yeah, it's a different different conversation. But I mean, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't think you know. A lot of these kids are looking at these universities they're going to, and some of them are probably just going because they're top name schools. And I look at a player like Travis Hunter, and he's saying, you know, he could have went to Alabama, he could have went to Florida State, Ole Miss, Georgia, Georgia. He could have went to all those places easily, but. As I've always said, it, sometimes it's more about the journey and the process than it is about getting it now. And so, if you look at Georgia, you look at uh, Ole Miss, especially, even Alabama, Florida State, all those teams, it's most likely that he was going to be a starter. Now, you would have put him out there too soon, and he would have got torched for real. No experience, but he would have got torched. I'm telling you. But you you let him work his process. You let him work his journey, where he feels that he can develop, and then move forward. That's why I say he's gonna be okay. That's why I say Arch Manning is gonna be okay because these kids now, like I said, uh, uh, they are smart. They're more they they're okay with taking the process. They're okay with taking that journey and going down a different path. And like I said, it's getting to the point now with schools like Alabama. These kids are these 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 high school kids are figuring out. Okay, I don't have to go to Alabama to, to be good to show that I'm good. I'm a good player. I'm a top player. I don't have to go to Alabama. I don't have to go to Georgia. I don't have to go to those schools. I can go to a Big Twelve school or a uh, a Pac Pac Ten school, a Big Five or whatever, and be just as good. You know, I don't have to go to those schools to prove myself. So I think it's all about the journey and where they feel that they can develop. But if that's not the case and that's not your mindset, you have no reason to be calling or having your high school coach call any of these big name schools and asking for money and saying, oh, this is what we're asking for. Yeah, we're not talking about like 
five or ten yeah. thousand. We're and talking about eight hundred thousand dollars. And first of all, why is the coach making this call? Now, I understand your parents if they're not in your life or they're not concerned about your future. That's different. But why is the high school coach? Well, well, there's always been coaches, you know, that would would call up buddies, you know, in the in the circles to send film and try and get this kid watched or expose, you know, some exposure. Yeah. But now, I mean, that to me that makes it tricky because let's say that that happens here in Texas. Apparently, this kid was from Alabama. Uh, but let's say that that happens here in Texas, then I would have a question for the UIL. Yeah. Is that a violation of the UIL rule? Yeah. But see, this is where this—that's where this could possibly bleed into, and you don't want that because now then you have a mess. Then you have a mess, and like I said, like you said, if if you're not looking at playing at the next level, that's fine, but you still have to play, you know. Yeah. You still have to play, but if the UIL, I think this is why because um, last last year around this time. Uh, maybe even in May or on March, uh, between March and uh, to May, it was brought up that you know, do you think it'll be okay or do you think uh, there should be NIL deals uh, in high school? And I said no, because we see the mess that is the bigger mess now, bigger than it was when it first started last year. Uh, that it is now, uh, than it you know than when it first started. Why would you want that in a high school? Why would you want to put a high school kid through that? Yeah, that that would change the game. But yeah, I, I would be interested. Like I said, this happened in Alabama, but it, if and I'm I'm hoping to reach out to a couple people in this to just to see what the thought process would be. But if it got found out that you know somebody some coach from Texas did I think, that, yeah, would I, that be and was getting a kickback? Would that be a violation yeah, of some UIL? I, I I believe that the UIL will have their hands in it. Uh, yeah, then you've got to start monitoring. What's he doing with that money? You know, yeah. how is he using that as a recruiting strategy yeah. that, hey, if you come play at our high school, I, I make phone calls and get you millions of dollars at the yeah, next level. Because it's hard enough to get a bond to pass in Texas for a school. And, and, and you don't want that part. You don't want them problems. You just don't want them problems. It'd be a headache. Yeah. I mean, because then your rich schools get richer. Yeah, because then you, I mean, then you're looking at the Allens of the world, the Duncanvilles, the Carthages, I mean, the Highland Parks, the Highland Parks that have all this money, and suddenly they they would be able to to recruit and buy. I mean, it would just be a mess. Yeah, but like I said, even just from the standpoint not not of a high school paying a kid, but just being able to say, hey, I can call Nick Saban and request eight hundred thousand dollars, and I got this deal and that deal for this kid and that kid. Yeah. Well, remember what we we said, why this would be a mess for the UIL. Remember the kid in Duncanville that moved in with his mom and his stepdad. And he was the yeah, head basketball coach. Who was the head basketball coach at Duncanville. State caliber Duncanville. Yeah, even number one team in the state, defending state champion. He gets suspended. He's done. and They got uh, missed, they, they missed the postseason. Yeah. they And the coaches all got suspended, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Because he decided that. He wanted, he wanted to, to move live in. with his parents. Yeah, live with his, his parents. His mom. What kind of stuff is that? Do you? But see, that's the thing. That's the stuff that the UIL does. We see it. That's him wanting to live with his parents. But they UIL saw this. He's, he's there to re- play basketball. Yeah, and recruit it. And uh, but that's the mess. You don't want an NIL deal mess with it. You don't want an NIL deal to any 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 kind of deals to be going through. Uh, 
here in Texas like that with the high schools. I, th- I just think that you're asking for problems. Yeah. I, I, especially when you start opening the door, like I said, for these coaches. Yeah. You're knocking down those doors. You're knocking them. T- you, you, know, you just don't just, knock on doors that you don't want to answer. Well, it's Pandora's box. Yeah. And that's the problem. NCAA has opened up Pandora's box, and now we're going to see it trickle down to lower levels. Maybe, like I said, but not necessarily in the sense of instituting it here, but if indeed these coaches are making those kind of phone calls with those kind of conversations... I think that there needs to be some questioning as to, you know, are these coaches getting kickback money? And if so, how does that work? How does that fit in with the rules as they are? So I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that that was interesting. And I think it's something, you know, definitely we're keeping an eye out on. Uh, in the NFL news, so Pat McAfee went on his show uh, yesterday and ripped the officials. Ripped them uh, on his... Uh, daily this, show that this he had about the Chiefs and the Bengals game. What well, was yes? It was mostly about them, but it was more too. Uh, Just all all through the season. Yeah, well, especially in the playoffs. Okay. So, you know, he talked about the questionable pass interference call, the redoing of the third down play, uh, and then the holding on the final Mahomes rush that led to the you know unnecessary roughness penalty. Right. So this was his comments on it. I do think we have a massive officiating issue. I think refs suck. Not all refs. There are some refs that suck and they shouldn't be in playoff games. Why are they in playoff games, especially when there's only two games and there's going to be 15 million people watching? That's a great question. Uh, since they're not completely committed to the NFL, because they're not full-time, right? So they, they only work for the NFL during the season, and a little bit during the summer. He said since they're not completely committed to the NFL, there's a chance that somebody can get a hold of them. Now, I think they get paid well, but what is well? What is the line, especially with how much money is potentially being made off of these games? So make them full-time, boom, we can eliminate the distraction of potentially getting swayed elsewhere by outside money. Like all politicians, because they don't get paid enough, so they're easily swayed by big pharma, big gas, alcohol, tobacco, whatever you can get named into it. Uh, Let's see, Adam Schefter joined him on the show and brought his sourcing to the table. He said, uh, this is what Adam Schefter said on on the show yesterday about this situation as well. He said, there is an issue with the officiating, and when you speak to people around the league, they believe it's as bad as it's been in a long time, maybe ever. If we go back to the one game that I think of is the Seahawks-Rams game, final regular season game, where the officials missed multiple calls that potentially influenced the outcome of that game. It shaped the way the playoffs came out. If they had made some other calls and the Rams had won, it would have gotten the Lions in. I can tell you this, the Rams were unhappy, the Lions were unhappy, other teams were unhappy, and guess what? I think the league office themselves, if they were being honest, were not happy with those calls in that game. Uh, Schefter went on to add that many teams began calling him after that report initially went out saying he didn't go far enough because bad calls have been made throughout the regular season. So... I think that there's going to be a lot of talk in the offseason about addressing the officiating issue. How are you going to handle it? Yeah. You know, just like I know we're, we're back, you know, back in the NBA, uh, the the no foul call on LeBron James and then the referee, the NBA and the referee came back and, you know, say, you know, that should have been a call or whatever. Uh, the NFL doesn't do that. Rarely ever do that, you know. And... The deal about that is how you're going to address it and what's going to be done about it. You know, are there going to be anything done? You know, do they go through some kind of 
fine suspension or extra training or what what happens with the NFL? Well, not only that, but the interesting part that I I got out of those comments as well is that Pat McAfee basically came out and said, hey, I think that they're taking under-the-table money. And that's a possibility, too. But that's Especially some... with the outcome of gambling now and the effect that that has on the NFL. Yeah. I mean, when you bring... And that's the, that's the, that's the issue, is when you bring Vegas into it, there's bukus, bukus of money. Bukus of money that's being made, embedded, and you just never know. So there is a strong possibility that there pot there are under uh, under table bets that are going on. Uh, that's the scary part about playoff season, is and that's why the whole uh, oh it's rigged it's rigged this is a rigged game that's where that comes from because you don't know what you don't know. But it doesn't sound like you know because for years that's been the deal. Well, the commissioner wants so and so to win, but the I, league office is coming out and complaining. Yeah. So that but, tells me yeah. that the issue lies with these officials. Right. And so I don't think it's the NFL. You know, I don't think they have any, an agenda as far as that goes. But I do believe that it, it does it does lie within the refs and may, even some players. Uh, even some players. Um, maybe the coaching staff too. But that's less likely. It's more likely with the refs because... As the game stands and it goes on, that game is in their hands. Yeah. Because they call. Well, that was my problem with that call. You inserted yourself into the game. So, you know, an official's job is to make sure that everything, you know, kind of stays between the lines and all of those things. But they're never supposed to insert themselves in the middle of a football game. And I that was one of my big issues with, with the call Sunday was it felt like that official inserted himself unnecessarily end of the game. Are you talking about that uh, dead play or whatever? The, the dead play? And then I felt that way, like I said, about the... The, the flag? The, the, fl- the, the roughing the, late, the passes? Uh, yeah. Or not roughing the passes. Uh, necessary reference. Uh, I get... I'm going to argue the rough, the unnecessary roughness all day, but I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm I get the... the delayed call. I don't understand that. I... For whatever reason, he waited to do that. Makes no sense to me. I didn't get it. Um, I, I don't know if it was the spotting of the ball or something with the clock. I, I I don't know. But my thing is, these are things that you check prior to putting that ball back on the ground and blowing that whistle for the game to you know proceed. Those are things that you should check and that you should know. Um uh, you shouldn't have to stop a whole play and then that play doesn't get called because it's too loud. You know, it doesn't, it's too loud and they can't hear your whistle. <laughs> so then you got to come back up and say, well, that play doesn't count. We're just going to rerun it again. Take away the fourth down.
saw these past in the past years where there were no calls that should have been called. And so at this point, you have to do something. It, I mean, it has to be addressed and there has to be uh, consequences, conse- consequences for it. You, know, you, you, you just can't or else everybody's going to keep assuming that it's rigged and that the refs are have been paid off or are betting under the table. Yeah, I, I really felt like, you know, we talked about the NCAA opening Pandora's box with the NIL. I felt like that's what the NFL did and professional sports in general have done by letting gambling be a part of it. Yeah. You know, they've embraced that end of it, and you're going to have to answer questions. You've let the mob in the door, man. You know, you know, and you have to answer questions about, okay, is that affecting your officiating yeah. groups? Is that affecting the way that games get called, the way that, you know, well, Things turn out I, at the end. I, I believe they need to get rid of that. Uh, they have so and so picked to win by six or whatever win by. I think they need to get rid of that. Um, because that could be a the the an issue too. Um, you need to get rid of that. Get rid of that. You get rid of a whole lot. You might even want to get rid of fantasy points too. Fantasy football. I ain't saying that's the big issue. That's not the big bulk of it, but <laughs> who knows in this time and in, in day, man? Because you make you make money off of that too. DraftKings. DraftKings makes tons of money. Yeah, I go back to Pete Rose in baseball. You know, who got a lifetime ban for betting on baseball, and you know now he's got to be looking at this going, this, this is a joke, right? Yeah. Everybody's betting. The officials are betting, but well, it's, it seems like something it's, it's in sports. What was shunned upon then is now smiled, smiled on. It, it's, it's more embraced. Yeah. And like I you, don't think that that's fair to the ones who got no, punished earlier. Because we, you, like we were meant talking about the NIL deal a while ago, Reggie Bush lost a Heisman trophy, which is ridiculous. Yes. And, and Johnny Menzel as well. And so you telling me, Y'all punish these guys and their careers, and they something they have to deal with just for y'all to turn around and say, oh, well, it's okay well, now. You go back to Jim Treslin, Terrell Pryor, and that bunch with the tattoos. Yeah. You know, and, and they all get show calls bans and kicked out and the whole nine yards, and now there's plenty of players doing that. Yeah. You go back to the SMU days, the Pony Express, uh, you know, and, and buying cars. Yeah. You know, Trans Am. So, I mean, I, I, it's just amazing the way that things have gone yep. uh, and the effect that that has. I, so here's a random fact. Give Reggie Bush his uh, Heisman back. <laughs> so how much do you think a corner seat cost right now for the Super Bowl? Corner seat? Yeah, like the, the upper corner. True. It's in the grand, ain't it? By the grand? More than that, hold on. I was I was just looking at this and it disappeared. I believe, okay, that it's uh five thousand. That's your mind. That's a lot. I, I'm trying to pull it up, but I mean it, it's over a thousand, well over a thousand dollars for a corner seat and yes. nosebleeds. In the nosebleeds. In the nosebleeds. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I watch it at the house, uh, have food, and the like, in the presence of my family. I'm not paying no in five. In the presence of my family. Yeah, I'm not paying no $5,000 just to go sit in the nosebleeds. Yeah, upper level corner. 
This is a current get-in price for the Super Bowl, $5,779. Who is CBS pay- posted that. Who is paying that? For Arizona. It's not the Cowboys Stadium or Vegas or the Rams. I really thought that once Joe Burrow lost, the, the pricing would go down a little bit. Because it feels like, you know, more people are just kind of tired of the Chiefs. But and, and what we're also not thinking about, what if he loses? I don't think there's no what if to it. I think he will lose. But uh, <laughs> I think they will lose. So you wouldn't pay $5,000 to sit in no. the top corner of... No. Not in no, not Arizona, not in the middle of that. Man, no. That stadium, when it first was built, that was the first of its kind. The first, It was the first of its kind. They were the ones that, you know, started the roll-in and out the roll-in field and yeah. roll-out field and everything like that. And then Dallas follows suit with a little bit more luxury. Uh, and then everybody else mimicked Dallas. But... Arizona was the first of its of that kind to do stuff like that. So I get it. That's where it all started. But I'm not paying no. But a down them tickets by at least another three grand. Ain't a pen of five thousand. That's a car note. That's that's that, more than a car note. Yeah, it's more than a car note, but that's a down payment. Yeah, that's a down payment. Not doing that. That's pitiful. That's a down payment on a house in some cases. Mm-hmm. You just man, come on, come on, come on. Come on, that's that's and in, in in reality, that's some people have their their yearly salary five thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't like that yeah, in a no. month. And that's not including the traveling fees. You got to pay for gas, your plane tickets, hotels, everything, food. You know how expensive food is, and, and then pay five thousand seven hundred seventy nine dollars just to yeah. see. And then it's the money to get back. Man, no. you th- you I mean, you're looking, looking at, at like a $10,000 trip. Right? Yeah. And, man, no, 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 no. We're good. So much for the NFL being about the fans, by the way. Yeah, no, they're not. It, it's it's bad, man. But I ain't paying five grand just to go to no Super Bowl. Sitting in those bleeds, that's pitiful. So you're going to, you would rather stay at home and Heck yeah. put on some. Cook my own food with my and be in the, the presence of my own family and us watch the game. Because here's the truth, is everybody know that's just like that year. Because it's like, okay, who's gonna pay that just to go see Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts? Yeah, come on, really? Those aren't big name teams. People getting tired of them, especially the Chiefs. Yeah, it's like with the Patriots. You get tired. Of, you yeah, get tired like of I the think Patriots there's still some intrigue with the Eagles just to see if Hurts can do it. You know, and pull it off. But. Uh, you know, there are. There, I think that there is some boredom at this point with the yeah. Chiefs. That's why when the Cowboys didn't make it, what was it last year or in, two, in 2016? And last year, Super Bowl tickets went down once and again. They plummeted. Yeah, because everybody had their hopes set on the Cowboys, and if they didn't make it, well, you can have your tickets back. <laughs> yeah, like we don't want. Them. We don't want them. But I, I think I think if and when. When and if the Cowboys do actually make it, that's when you'll see prices. I, that five grand may go to ten grand. Well, it could, yeah. If the Dallas Cowboys are in, and that's why I really thought that the prices would recede after, because I could see that if it's Joe Burrow, because you know you're planning on everybody from Cincinnati coming on down because they love their team. But once Cincinnati was out of it, 
I mean, how many, realistically, how many people are going to make that trip from Philadelphia down to Arizona? I don't know. I, you know, I like, be, it's closer to Kansas. Yeah, like I, it, it's definitely you know going to be a heavy Chiefs. Or it's closer to Missouri. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know, man. That's well. Here's the here's the here's the here's the real here's the real. This is why the the it wouldn't plummet with the Bengals. It won't plummet. This is why. If they didn't make it, that's fine. If they made it, that's fine. And here's why. They're not America's team. Who's going to show up is going to show up. It's not going to plummet. You, the, the, the only fans you have that are, in, that are Cincinnati, Cincinnati fans are in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. And the reason why you separate them and it's going to be okay with it, it won't plummet or change whatsoever is because it's Cincinnati Bengals. Whatever. Yeah, I just thought because you would get a heavy, you know, crowd yeah, from Cincinnati. They no, travel well. They okay, but that's from that's just one state. When you mention the Cowboys, you're talking about from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, that's America's team. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're it's talking not about, a regional football yeah, team. Yeah, everybody's coming from everywhere to see the Cowboys. You may have people flying from across seas to come to the Super Bowl to see the Dallas Cowboys. And that's a. I'm not even saying that. Speaking hypothetically, that's realistic, and that's why ticket sales plummeted because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody wants to see the Dallas Cowboys, even in Cincinnati. They are gonna come see the Dallas Cowboys. They want to see Jeremy. Yeah, the Eagles fans. How much? I don't care how much they hate us. The Dallas fan, Dallas Cowboys. They gonna come to see the Dallas Cowboys. That's just what it is. Now Philadelphia, as crazy as their fans are, they might actually come out big, and you know they might. I just get the sense that they're just not going to make that trip because you know that there's going to be a watch party at you know their stadium, all the bars there. I would not have no watch. What? Well, they they're used to it. They're used to it. Yeah, they. I mean, like that's the way they do it. Dallas had a watch party for the playoff game. Which, I don't understand that. I think that that's, j- just while we're on this subject, I don't understand that. Why would I pay money to watch it on a big screen when I can stay at home and watch it? Because now i got to pay for parking, because they charge for parking still. You still have to pay for parking, you have to buy a ticket to get in, you got to pay for your food. At this point, I just believe it's just to say you was there. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I agree, but if I'm somebody, I, I don't see the big... Yeah. Well, some people did. just some people just love being a part of the crowd and the event. To say you were able to say you were there. Like, I was there when the cow they had the watch party at the AT and T Stadium when the Cowboys played. You know, Tampa Bay. You're able to say it. That's a memory. You're forming memories. But I guess it's I, yeah, it's expensive, but I guess it's the same with the Super Bowl. To pay yeah, five thousand dollars. Watching a football game in person. From the nosebleed, are you really? Well, no, no, I'm not saying it's worth it. I'm just saying at least you're at the actual game. It's not. I ain't paying five. I ain't doing that. No, forget all that. Five thousand dollars just say I was at the game in the nosebleed. I barely seen the players. Yeah, you can't see from those top seats oh. like that. And if you got, you got, you gonna be packed hype. So Probably. in the old days, people used to buy those seats and then look down, you know, and wait for the empty the people that didn't show up. And they would just crawl down, you know, and go down the... It's a little bit different now with security, but... Security. Security. Did you pay for those seats? Who cares? 
Nobody's sitting here. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought that was just an interesting little tidbit that if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you got to pay five thousand. Five thousand dollars. I'll have my wings at home. Wings. Wings, dip, burgers, whatever. Stay warm. Yep. Stay so, yeah. warm. In, in, in the, the comfort of my own family and yeah, home. Yeah, get to sit in, and uh, on the couch instead huh. of you know, a hard seat. A hard seat way up there. You <laughs> can smell the heavens it. from up there. Yeah, like you would be <laughs> watching the game on your phone and saying, well, at least I'm here. Yeah. you get a better view of the game on, on your, your phone. phone. And you know what the scariest part is? Airplanes, those jet liners gonna be flying over, man. Heck no. I'm up that high, <laughs> you out your mind. You know you they reach they, up there and tap them. Yeah. It's gonna take your finger and your oh your whole hand though. You know they like to fly them jets across it's too you, high. How'd you lose your hand? I'm at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Do what? No, yeah, I reached up, tapped the jet, cut off my hand. Took my hand with it. <laughs> it's somewhere in the parking in the desert, you know. Talk about a memory. Yeah. That's a lifetime. Well, you're high enough to touch the ceiling of that stadium. I ain't doing that, man. Because it's a dome, so... Yeah, no. Got your mind. Not gonna do it. So back to real football news. I just thought that was interesting. You think our listeners... Like, they probably... They're like, what What? what do they do? Well, if it's entertaining, then they'll watch it. I think it's entertaining. But I hope they think it's entertaining, too. That'll snow. That'll snow. But, uh... Back to real football. So here's the... The, the 49ers quarterback situation as it stands. Ooh. So it was released yesterday that Brock Purdy wow. did tear his UCL, also known in baseball terms as the Tommy John ligament, and he'll be sidelined for at least six months. Probably going to have to have surgery. Jimmy Garoppolo earlier suffered a broken foot in December. He's now consider, you know a free agent. And Trey Lance, had, you know of course, fractured his fibula and had ligament damage that required two surgeries on his ankle. So there, that, that's a triage. That's not a quarterback room. That's a triage. And then you're back. Uh, I can't even remember the poor backup saying. It was Josh Johnson? Yeah, Josh Johnson is concussed, so he's done. Christian McCaffrey had one play at quarterback. I guess you can consider him part of the but, quarterback but, room. But talk about when it all comes tumbling down. <laughs> you know, because that was my joke is, well, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. The 49ers win. Well, apparently it does kind of matter. Yeah. Like, you need a for real quarterback back there. But because of all of this... It is ramping up and looking more and more like Tom Brady could, in fact, come to San Francisco. And you get the sense that if that happens, Brock Purdy goes down to QB2, Jimmy G's, of course, gone, and they're going to trade Trey Lance. Which, what a disaster that would be. To have to come out and say he was a Kyle Shanahan quarterback, but my kind of quarterback's not a winning quarterback, so we're going to trade him. After we wasted draft picks to trade up. And money. I don't get what the heck Tennessee is going to do with him. If he goes to Tennessee. But, because, it, so, you know, there was talk of Brady going to Tennessee, but now it feels like he shifted and wants to play in San Francisco, so they've pivoted. But the question I what are you going to do with Ryan Tannehill? What are you going to do with Malik Willis? You drafted Malik Willis, which I didn't understand at the time. So then are you really going to bring Trey Lance into that? How is he any different than what you have in Malik That's Willis? That's what I'm saying. It's pointless because you just drafted a quarterback. You don't need. Why would you trade for another quarterback? And, uh, I mean, I guess you, your only upside is you have two quarterbacks on a rookie deal. But then, are you going to in fact move Ryan Tannehill and put him out on the market? And it, I mean, if Dob, so, what about Dobbs? 
So, yeah. I mean, you just got... You have a quarterback to finish the season with for you. What about him? What happens with him? It just feels like all of these... that There's seats at the table for some of them. And then there's musical chairs for everybody else. But this right here, is now that I'm thinking about it, it makes the Cowboys look smart in going ahead and just sticking it out with Dak. Because you don't want to end up in a situation like this with t- like Tennessee have and San Francisco have. You just don't. It's it's a mess. San Francisco don't have a quarterback to lean on. I know you're saying Tom Brady, okay, whatever. But right now, but I still right say now. what I said yesterday. If I'm if I'm San Francisco, why didn't I bring in Tom Brady last last year? year? I, all that to not have confidence in because you could have had him all season this year. Yeah, this season. all that to not have confidence in Jimmy G. And Trey Lance to get hurt, and then you have to go with the backup. The backups backup, and then the backups backup backup, and they all got hurt. Everybody so, got hurt. Everybody's out. You ain't got a quarterback. Christian McCaffrey's in. Like if I want to walk around on two feet, I'm not signing with the San Francisco 49ers. No, what a disaster. But the fact that they okay, here's my point: is we you know the fact that they were a top team in the NFC, the NFC is a testament. To how good that defense and that run game was. I mean that you that you could manage games no matter you know for the most part no matter who was at quarterback right and be competitive right. So I mean I, that's why I think it would be intriguing for Tom Brady because you would have that run game you would have the you know you, it would all be on you you're not throwing sixty five times a night uh, you know you, you've got a, a good defense it's you, you could become more of a game manager type of quarterback you're back home. You know, he's always said that, that it's intrigued him to play in San Francisco. So I I think that that part of it's interesting. But my bigger question is, what are you going to do with everybody else? Now I think it's easier to tell Brock Purdy you're going to be the backup because now he's got to sit out six months anyways. You know, so it's going to take him longer to ramp up and, and, and would you know to even be in the conversation for next season. So I think that part was made a little easier. What's not made easier is what do you do with Trey Lance? And it's not even about Trey Lance. It's about Kyle Shanahan having to now come out and say, that was my call, and it was a really bad move. Hmm. Like, I regret training up to get Trey Lance. It is what it is. (laughs) But then you... But you got a quarterback like that, and you know... (laughs) I don't know. Whatever he's seen in Trey Lance, and then all of a sudden, I guess, you know, if, if they do indeed trade him or cut him, whatever they're going to do, you, you that means you knew there was an inkling of a of some hesitance with that with that pick. You weren't completely sold on him, but you just you thought he was a good quarterback and he would fit your offense, but you weren't completely sold on him. If you you you'll just give him up this easily. For Tom Brady, who's 45, going on 46. But then that makes me quit, you know, because we give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit as an offense, quote-unquote offensive genius. But then I, I would have questions about his evaluation. You sat there and you evaluated him. Yeah. And and you said that's yeah. a top-end guy. And now you're having to back out and say, well, I'll take 45, yeah. almost 46-year-old Tom Brady over Trey Lance. Yeah. It... Now, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but that's a costly one. That's yeah. a, that's one that could potentially 
Like, the only saving grace is that you assume that once he gets healthy again, Brock Purdy's going to be continue to be a good quarterback. But what if it's lightning in a bottle? I mean, that, that's the other thing that nobody's considering is maybe it's just the fact that because the league's going to make adjustments to Brock Purdy, when, you know, if and when he plays at that level again as the starting quarterback, uh-huh. you better hope that he's able to adjust, you know, and pull this thing off. Because if not, you've really put yourself behind the eight ball. Because, I mean, at, at most, Tom Brady's, you know, basically told everybody, I'm signing a one-year deal. Yep. Well, you better hope you can protect Tom Brady long enough to win games. So I'm saying, because he ain't moving outside that pocket. Well, I mean, because it, so that's the other issue. Who's got to back him up? Like, if Purdy, you know, is having to rehab, who do you bring in as your backup? He ain't got nobody. Jimmy G's gone. You're going to trade away trade lands. I guess Josh Johnson can always come back. Yeah. This is the mess of the NFL now. It was college. Now it's the NFL. The mess of the NFL. Well, well, let me take that back. The mess of San Francisco. Well, no, but I, I, I agree with your former statement. It's the mess of the NFL. Because now, I mean, now everybody thinks, okay, we got to go draft a quarterback. We got to trade up to draft a quarterback. Yeah. And you don't. Speaking of trading up, too, I'm going to put this out. So the the Houston Texans put it out there yesterday that they're going to do everything in their power to get the number one pick. Well, do it already. I mean, what do you... Uh, 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 my guess is that they're waiting on who their head coach is going to be, who they're going to hire. They're wanting to, to finalize the deal with D'Amico Ryans. And like I said, you better be sure that you've had some backdoor, back-channel conversations with Bryce Young, and he assures you that he's willing to play. Yeah, because at, at this point, you have to sell yourself to Bryce Young. You have to sell your direction. You have to sell you know your coaching staff, your philosophies. You don't even know who your offensive coordinator is going to be. And you're already talking about trading up for the number one pick. What if they pull a shocker? Because if they know Brock, Bryce Young, is, Young isn't going to come to... The Texans, if they have D'Amico Ryans. What if they pull a shocker? And they go get C.J. Stroud, number one overall. It's a possibility. It's a big possibility. That's going to be a hard sell. Because because why why get him at one if you could have got him at six or seven? Uh, He's a number two quarterback. Yeah, but with the teams that are in the top six or seven, the second quarterback is going to go... Five, six, or seven. If, if if that means, well, I'm just saying they're two. They're two top two quarterbacks in the draft. You can go, it'd be either one of them. One could go one, and the other can go six. But Bryce Young's not a six. C.J. Stroud ain't either, man. He is though, in everybody else's mind. He has just good and norm. But well, no, I'm I'm not. But I'm saying that the way he's viewed is no team thinks that they have to have the number one pick to get him. Because you look at, so the draft order, because I want to be sure and get this right, you've got Chicago right now at one, Houston at two. So I guess you could trade down to four because you assume that Indianapolis is going to draft a quarterback. 
So why get you know why would you take a CJ Stroud at one when you can get him at four? I've just said I'm putting it up there. Just gotta put it out there, just as a guess, as hypothetically speaking. Yeah, it could happen. You never know. I think that that would be doing Bryce Young a disservice. Like I think that that's a slap in the face to him because he's by far the more NFL ready quarterback. He's NFL ready. He'll be on the NFL team regardless of when he gets picked. Yeah, but you're looking at less money. That was Ben Roethlisberger's point. That's why he got so mad when the Eli Manning situation happened because instead of getting drafted at, you know, five or six, he got drafted at, I think it was 12 or 13. And he said, why should I have to pay for their not wanting to play? so you want more money starting out. I see. see. Yeah, it comes down to signing bonuses. Oh, Okay, well, I say this as well. Tom Brady was drafted what sixth round. Look well, yeah, but him. nobody thought that he was going to be great. I mean, it's like Brock Purdy, you know. Nobody thought he you, was. You be great. you get your check. <laughs> you'll get your check. Play your game. You'll get your check. That's all I gotta say. Is everybody hyped up on that number one position? Oh, because I get more money. I think I deserve. It. Okay, that's cool. But if somebody else goes, then what? You gonna Bitch and moan all day. Excuse my language. You're going to pout and moan all day about it? <laughs> you can't do that. Just take it. That's the thing about these players that are going to, I want to go number one because, okay, it's not entitled to you. There's There are hundreds of other guys. Dot it down. Top ten. There's ten other, nine other guys other than you who could go at that same position. That same spot. You can't. I mean, you can't take it. And this is why I say with C.J. Stroud, he's just as good as Bryce Young. Now, no. he, yeah, man. Uh, he, he's got as good of an arm, but overall, top to bottom, he's not as good of a quarterback. He's not but, as, okay. He, he will probably start the NFL, but in my mind, he's not as NFL okay. ready as Bryce Young. But you have, to, you have to look at it like this as well, is that C.J. Stroud is still a top quarterback. And the reason why I say it's a pop, it could be, it just throw it out there, is that Houston may take him over Bryce Young. It's because what if Houston don't want to they don't want to have to like, oh, well, we got, we're going to do this, prevent this guy, and Bryce Young is still uh, about. Okay, well that's fine. I don't have time to uh, cater to your needs. If you're not, if you're going to be immovable about it, then I don't have time for that. I'll go get the next guy. So that's that's the that's the issue is that if you can't sell yourself to a player, that's fine, and you got that number one spot, and you can't sell it to the number one guy, that's fine. I don't have time to continue to cater to your needs. I'm going to move on. That's the danger of of these players not getting the number one spot. Because if you're immovable and you want and you want and you haven't even done anything yet, yeah, yeah, then uh, you're going to get passed up on. That that spot isn't entitled to you. You could have very well been the number one pick. You could have had it. But you were stubborn about it. It Well, that's why I have a problem with the whole draft concept anyways. Because I, I just don't think it's right that Bryce Young has to play in Houston. Or has to play in Indianapolis. Well, he doesn't have to turn it down. You can turn that phone call down, to, though. But I'm saying to play in the NFL, he more than likely will have to play in a place that's not very good. And I, I just think that sometimes but, okay, these guys it's, a disservice. It's just like checks and balances. <laughs> you do it, what sense does it make? For him to go to the top team that just won a Super Bowl. 
It's not well, Texas. No, I'm but. not saying, but you could you could potentially go to a playoff team. But that's how the, that's how it works. That's how it works. It's not a disservice. It's always worked like that. And it's about how you win. It, but, but I mean, you, you've had quarterbacks in the past, even even prior to, you know, the NFL when when the NFL yeah. was still around. That said, I'm not playing the NFL. If you're going to draft me, I'm not playing for you. Okay, well then you don't want to play the NFL. Well, like, back then though, you could make almost as much money in the AFL. Yeah, yeah well, that's fine. You don't want to play in the AFL. You want to play in the NFL. You don't have to play. If you don't want to play for me, you ain't got to play. I, I just think that really, uh, they better be sure. And if they're not sure, I'm trading down. Because I, I can get CJ. I tell you what, he'd rather go there than Chicago. So he better pick it, get his pickings. Well, and, Chicago's not gonna take him. Yeah. That I mean, that's that's kind of been. Well, that's uh, at first you're looking at that number one spot. Said, hey, I'm number one. They got the number one spot. I don't want If okay, okay. So here's the thing. What would have happened if he would have went number two? If he goes number two. Yeah. I mean, he loses. Four or five million dollars. Exactly. So it wouldn't have mattered. So <laughs> he would have got that that number one pick contract either anyway. Whether he went second or fourth, it wouldn't have happened. So that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it does not matter. I, I don't because know. if you're as good as a quarterback as you say you are, and as what you they see on film, then at the end of the day, you're going to get that back and double that and some. And your well, I'm not saying for sure contract. that he's not going to Houston because I don't. I mean, there's not been, but I'm just saying if I'm Houston, I'm having some back channel conversations before I trade up. Yeah. Bryce Young, listen, don't listen to the critics. Talk talk it over with your family, your agent, and whoever it is, and you make the right decision for you. Don't worry about the money. The money's going to be there. It's going to come. You're a good quarterback. You're a great quarterback. You have what it takes to be in the NFL. Whoever gets you will be lucky. And be blessed. So, whatever critics are saying, you shouldn't go here or there. Don't listen to it. Play your game. Be who you are as a quarterback. The money will be there. It'll come. That's all I got to say. And I say that to any any other draft draftee who who's out there on the draft, who's, who's declared for the draft. Play your game. You get picked up. You get drafted. Play your game. The money, the money will come. Simple as that. We'll see. I, I just think that that's going to be interesting. It, it will be. So, we talked about this yesterday a little bit, but the Broncos co- coaching search is even more of a mess than we, we thought. Uh, so, there was a report, ye- a report yesterday <laughs> uh, put out there by The Athletic that Greg Penner made a miscalculation when he flew to Ann Arbor to meet with Jim Harbaugh for a second time. Penner's trip to Ann Arbor surprised other candidates for the Broncos' head coaching vacancy and according to the report, uh, that may have been one of the reasons that Dan Quinn returned to Dallas. Mm. I was really, when you started that, I really thought you was going to say that their head coaching search is over. I was really thinking, you know, they, they had gotten somebody. Not the no, it, it seems that they're further away today than they've been at any point in the search. Harbaugh turned them down again. Sean Payton's going to cost him too much money, although apparently his name's still in it. Dan Quinn withdrew his name. D'Amico Ryans is probably going to the Texans. And everybody else that's been interviewed was shocked that, you know, you doubled no, down if, and went if back you, if to you can't, If you can't get anybody else, get, uh, what about uh, 
Cliff Kingsbury's still out there. Well, he's still got that one-way ticket to Taiwan. He's not coming back anytime soon. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, y'all are luck, man. I took it wherever. At this point, forget it. John Elway, be head coach. <laughs> they might I'll as well. Manning. Offer him just a ton of money. Yeah, and Eli can be your offensive coordinator. I mean, you're going to get a taste coach. of it in the Pro Bowl. Might as well. Might as well. And here's your pitch. If Jeff Saturday can be a head coach, you can be a head coach. Yeah. And do you really want your center to be a head coach in the NFL and you not? That'd be great. Ain't they in the same division? Uh, Yes. So, look at that. You can play. Now I ain't, I'm not. I'm not pushing for Jeff Saturday to get that job over in Minneapolis. Well, apparently he's, no, he's uh, probably in the top three at this point. What's wrong with them? <laughs> he is, according to Peter King's uh, reporting yesterday, he is very much a leading candidate to be the next head coach. Okay. How? I don't know. Like I, that's what I want to know, and and Jim Irsay's not answering any questions. Jim Irsay is saying, I'm going what I think is best. Well, Jim Irsay is pulling a Jerry Jones, and he's on his yacht somewhere. Probably. It's what these billionaires who run football teams tend to do. Run away to the yachts in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, like when things get tough, I'm going to be in the Bahamas. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Figure it out. Call me when it's done. Conference calls every, every, every so out. No, I, if if I'm, I'm I just tell them, listen, y'all handle it, so that when it goes south, I can say, you know what? Not only matter of fact, I wasn't even in town. Okay, I I knew nothing about it. Yep, right. I'm Jerry just Jones, the owner. Jerry Jones wasn't in the room when those deals were being made with Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. Those guys, he was on his yacht, and he quickly came out and said he yeah he got on the conference call and said, you pay that man his money. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, with Denver, I man. At this point, either you make some outside calls or uh, John Elway step down and you go be the head coach. Maybe you are, he's a better head coach than he is a GM. Maybe. Got to think about it. Maybe. Possibly. It's Yeah. Because right now, y'all ain't got nobody. You ain't getting Cliff out of Taiwan. But, but it's just the fact that you... You were told by this guy, I'm not going to coach there. You know, he goes and tells his team, listen, I'm here for the long haul. Well, it the, the, the part about that is they started out as the top job. Yeah, everybody assumed that was going to be the first opening to get filled. Yeah. And but now I think it's, it's like, because of the names that were involved. You had Dan Quinn. Sean Payton. Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And you, you got neither one of those. Whatever, and, it, and you didn't even get your two A in D'Amico Ryan. Yeah, like he was your plan A, two A. Yeah, but you you lost those guys, and you don't even have a backup plan. Like, well, you lost your backup plans. Your backup plans got another offers, or they have went somewhere else. And so, it's like, man, it's an internal mess. It's something internal going on. Over there, and it's a mess. I don't know if it's involving Russell Wilson uh, and the issue that he's going to be be the quarterback, or and and inside office mess or whatever. But they got to get it figured out because you're gonna you looking at starting the season. You ain't got no head coach. You got to. Well, I mean the season. You know the NFL season is almost over. Or I mean you know then you got to turn and get the draft. You've got to get you a head coach. John Elway stepped down to be the head coach. 
Hire yourself. <laughs> I, I still say Peyton would be a better. Well, okay, well then get go... him to leave the Manning cast. Okay, well if that's the case, go go call Peyton. But but if you're Peyton Manning or you're a Tony Romo, do you really leave a job like that to go coach? Well, you're having fun and you getting paid all that money. I don't know. I wouldn't. That's stress. Like Bernie yeah, Mac said, like Bernie Mac said last night, that's nothing but some stress. <laughs> that's all it is. It's, you mean because you 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 having to deal with other grown men who are, uh, who some of them feel entitled and just the schedule. Yeah, the travel. Mm-mm. You know, like I know that that's one of the things that one of the reasons that Peyton was willing to do the Manning cast was you know he could stay at home. Yeah, so. which Tom Brady didn't do, but you know uh, he could have done if he took that Fox deal. <laughs> He'd be in the same boat. Which, by the way, he better be a good analyst because you're gonna have to now boot Greg Olson out. So to get I, Tom Brady I, I told time. you yesterday that I follow Tom Brady on TikTok, and Tom Is he Brady going to be a TikTok. Story I don't know, now? but he does have some personality. He has some personality. He can be fun, <laughs> 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 you know. Uh, well, he has personality, so I think he'll do good. Uh, it just depends on where they're having that. You can't have Tom Brady sitting at no desk. You gotta have him up on his feet, you know. Yeah, no, he would be a, an in-game announcer. Yeah, so you, yeah, so he has personality. I think he'll be he'll do great on Fox. Uh, Fox, but take the money, man. I'm saying, but yeah, just man, listen. Maybe, maybe your wife will come back. I hope she does. <laughs> no, that's that ship sailed. She, uh, she's already been seen with <sighs> other people. That's pain, man. Well, but, you had your chance. Yeah, but as long as he gets to see his kids, his sons regularly, you know, you know, get, which is what he's doing now, and and that's why thing is okay. You know, I think that's one of the reasons we haven't heard from him. I think he really this time wants to evaluate. One, do I want to play football? And two, how is this really going to affect my kids? Especially if you go to San Francisco. Yeah, because then you're moving all the way back across with, the country. Yeah. Um, and what well, he's from there, isn't he? Yeah, his That's parents his live there. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're looking at, you know, his one of his sons, oldest is probably what preteen by now. Yeah. Uh, and then his youngest is not too far behind. Jack. Yeah, he's not too far behind. So you're those are the most valuable years of their life. You know, and as it stands, you're looking at them staying in Florida, which is why you know there was some talk about well Miami, but it seems that Miami, at least for the moment. Is highly committed to a Tonga Valoa, yeah. which oh by the way he's still in concussion protocol. This it's been going on a month now. That's insane. That he still hasn't cleared protocol. That's, that's bad. In, yeah, that's insane. Um, that yeah, I don't know what I said about that. That's insane. That that if nothing else, but if that seat that quarterback seat comes open, that's interesting. Yeah. If, if if nothing else, you have uh, you have a um, no. Nah, he he ain't reliable either. But if nothing else, man, you need to see really and ask yourself: Do we really want to stick with two, or should we just advise two at this point to just retire? Well, I, I think if I'm the NFL, I'm involved, and only from the sense of. What is the long-term effect, and what are the odds that, you know, week one or two next year he gets hit? And he's out. And he's done. Yeah. I mean, and then what does that do for the NFL from from a PR because perspective? Because you don't want another situation 
like you had with DeMar Hamlin. Where yeah, okay, think about this past year for the NFL. They had two Tungamaloa suffer seizures on the field. Nick Foles did the same thing. DeMar Hamlin died. Yeah. It's, All in one year. Yeah. That's tragedy. Like, you don't want that with Tua. Somebody seriously needs to say something at this point. And I'm surprised no one, if it's not being said publicly, okay, I understand that. That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But I just hope somebody is talking and, and advising him at this point. Because if you're not able to clear concussion protocol by now, now I know in some cases it takes up to six weeks, but it's been... You're looking at, what, four weeks now? Yeah, for four weeks. <laughs> at this point, you have to... Somebody has to say something. Like, you have to tell them. And why is Miami still sold on him being that quarterback? Well, I mean, because when he's on the field, he's a talented quarterback. And 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 every and the other side of it is that everything about that offense is designed around him. So if he's not going to be your quarterback, you're going to have to completely rethink that offense and your philosophy and go draft or sign or trade accordingly. I mean, it, it changes everything. And then it really puts into question, you know, Mike McDaniel, because everything he does was geared around he's a younger guy, a little bit different of an offensive mind, so we're going to bring him to work with Tua. You, know, you missed out, apparently, on the Sean Payton and Tom Brady deal a year ago. That's obviously not going to happen again because you know, they've kind of both gone in different directions and the whole Brian Flores situation. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you justified hiring Mike McDaniel was because of the way that Tua was playing and his style of play and Mike McDaniel's you know, offensive mind. So I think that that's another key or, or a key piece to this conversation is how it affects him, you know, and how how it affects that roster construction, you know, as a whole. I, I mean, who are you bringing in? Because if I'm Tyree Kill, you better bring in a quarterback that's going to get me the football, you know, because I left Patrick Mahomes for this. So I mean, you you better bring in somebody where I can get my touches. You're not you're not bringing in a Jimmy G or a Lamar Jackson. You know, you, you, you're going to have to, at that point, bring in somebody who can yep. sling it around. I agree. I agree. That's why I say, man, when you, go get quarter, when you go get receivers like that, you have to be sure that they get their touches. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. Just like with the Browns getting Amari Cooper. You have to be sure that he's going to get his you know, his touches. You don't get a receiver like that and just have him out there just running routes <laughs> and he'll ever get the ball. And the, the other team and, and receiver that's kind of the odd team and man out right now are the Raiders because, it, you know, a, a week ago it was almost like a foregone conclusion that Brady's going to go to the Raiders. And, you know, Devontae Adams was fired up about it. Now you've got more and more, you know, insiders leaning towards him going to San Francisco if he indeed plays again. And if I'm Devontae Adams, I don't want Jimmy G. If, then, then why did you get rid of Derek Carr? Like that—that yeah. that would be my question. Right, but oh boy, that's why I say you don't go get court. I say it again, just said it. You don't get receivers like that if you're not sold on your quarterback, and you don't have a quarterback, and you're not sold on your current quarterback. You just don't do it because it's gonna come back and bite you in the long run, and that's wasting those guys' careers. And just out there, just running routes, and ain't no, you ain't got nobody that can throw to him, you know. And so, 
he, you better figure it out. That's all I have to say. Quick, and fast, like, and hair. And it's like I said, it, it feels like there's certain seats at the table, and then everybody else is going to play musical chairs trying to get their quarterback situations figured out. Yep. But one uh, quarterback situation that doesn't have to be figured out is the Los Angeles Chargers, and Justin Herbert now paired up with Kellen Moore. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. We touched on it a little bit yesterday, but I wanted to do a little bit deeper of a dive on that situation. And how do you go from the Dallas Cowboys are cutting you loose to you get to go be the offensive coordinator of the Chargers? Which is still a playoff team. I think it'll work with Kellen over there in San Diego. Here's why. It's because Los Angeles now. Well, Los Los Angeles. Uh, here's why. It's because now he has a quarterback that he he wants that he needs to be able to run that whatever playbook he has or will be bringing uh, uh, to the Chargers. I think he has a quarterback that is, that is well capable of doing it and, and being that guy. Uh, not to say that Dak Prescott wasn't able to, but. That wasn't that Prescott's type of offense uh, that Kellen Moore, Kellen, Kellen Moore was trying to run. Uh, but I think it's, it's uh, over in San Diego. He'll be able to do that as, as long as he stays consistent, you know. And if he stays consistent, I think, you know, he'll do – he'll be – that offense you'll see a little bit – it won't be as explosive, but it'll be more of a clicking offense. Uh but, but you better succeed consistent. because now you've got a quarterback. Like, your excuse has been, you know, yeah, everybody well, looks down on Dak. Yeah, now your excuse is out the door. Like, you're you, either you a have good a, offensive coordinator or you're not. Yeah, and this this is what a, this is like, this is really his prove it moment because now, you're right, now he has a quarterback. And so he's not going to be able to hide behind the Dak critics any longer. Or the Mike McCarthy yeah. critic, you know, whatever that was. You know, as far as decision making, you know, late in games of positions he was putting. But you know, I said, I said, you know, when Jerry Jones is quiet, you know, it's, it's dangerous. But things were relatively quiet on Kellen Moore's part. We never really saw it. You know, we talked about it, but nobody else was mentioning it until the last minute. He was the only one to go. The, the as far as the coordinators and everybody, you know, he was. The, and, and that's what I want to follow up. You know, I, I hope somebody asked some follow up questions. At what point did it deteriorate? To, to the extent that Mike McCarthy looked at that and said, okay, this isn't going to work. I, you, you know, because you, you, surely it happened before the playoff loss. Possibly. I, like, you're telling me you made that move based off of one playoff game? I, like, I'm not buying week, that. In one week. But I said from the beginning, that wasn't his guy. He was... He was he inherited killing more. You, you you got the sense that he just needed a reason to fire him. Last year he couldn't do it because everybody blamed McCarthy. Yeah. This year he could get away with it because his point was well, you know he put up thirty you know thirty something on Tampa Bay, but look what he did against a better team. Again, well this year I think the reins were handed over to to Mike McCarthy to make that decision. Last year, I don't think that I think it was up to Jerry Jones. Yeah, you did get the sense that he was able to come in and click because he said, "You know, I fired all these guys. It was tough, but I had conversations with." Them. Yeah, I, so I think this year he was given the reins to be able to do that. Uh, as as for uh, before, he didn't. But it, I, I just made the joke. You know, hypothetically, is you know they all sitting down, they're watching the the, the playoff games go on and. You're watching the Philly and San Francisco game, and you watch Philly dominate and beat the mess out of 
San Francisco. Barring they didn't have their quarterback, whatever. They still that was still a blowout. Well, regardless of whether or not Purdy plays, you still gave up all those points. Yeah, and they're looking at it and said, "We beat Philly by ten. We put up forty four against them. They only put up thirty four against us with their backup. Uh, and they had their starter in this game. They only put up thirty one. And we held San Francisco to nineteen and couldn't win. And couldn't win." Yeah, Kellen, come here, man. <laughs> yeah, come on. Who's the odd man? Oh, yeah. Kellen. Yeah, let's have a chat. They, they, they cast lots. <laughs> That's what they did. Well, Dan, you're staying. Jerry's giving you that, you know, more money. I'm staying. He says he wants me here as long as Coach Landry. So who's left? Hey, Kellen, come here. Come here. We got rid of everybody else. He's the only <laughs> one left. There's one desk that's still filled in this office. <laughs> yep. <laughs> come here. Yep. So, but I'm, just the fact he got the LA job. I mean, but here's the deal because this has happened with Cliff Kingsbury, where he was temporarily, you know, going to be the offensive coordinator at USC before he got the Arizona job. Does Denver circle back to him? Who? Kellen Cliff? Moore. Because you know, if all of your high-profile candidates have said, "Yeah, we're not interested," and your second, so you, you're tier saying team, you think he will leave Los Angeles? Yeah, to be a, a head coach. I don't think that that's entirely off the table with the reports coming out that your second-tier choices in Denver now are like hesitant to take that job because you circled back to Jim uh, Harbaugh. I don't see that. I don't think that'll happen. Well, I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying I could see a possibility. Well, okay, okay. I'm okay. I'm not saying it won't it won't happen because, because now of, Denver sees him as a hot commodity because all oh, the Chargers. Yeah. Well, I won't say it won't happen. It's a playoff team. I'm not saying because they won't make that call. I'm saying because. Well, he want to go there and inherit and inherit Russell Wilson. Well, he apparently wants to be head coach. That's why he, you know, takes so, these interviews. Okay, so but, he really right. he it's, desperately wanted the USC job. All right. Well, then if you want, I think you want to be a head coach, and Denver is down; they don't have nobody. I think you do make that call. You make that uh, wager. Um. But you better do it now before it sets in. That's all I'm saying. Like I said, I'm not. But I, you know, he's been a candidate there in the past. And if all your second tier guys are now questioning whether or not they would want that job, but you have to think Kellen Moore probably has. He's already on signed that contract with them. Well, so. yeah, but they can let because it's a it's an upwards move. So Denver they, they have call. to let you go. Denver make that call, man. Do what you need to do. Like I said, I, that would just be interesting to me if yeah. if in fact that did take place. Um. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground today. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything else as far as... Well, we've got some things that I'm going to bring up tomorrow because I want to take some time to to dig into it. Okay. Um, but yeah, Denver got to get their crap together uh, and figure out who they want as head coach because this is starting to look bad, real bad on them. Well, it's, you know, and I go back to the situation with Russell Wilson... You know, if he's got his own office and you have, you know, former players now, former teammates coming out and saying he really is a fraud. Why does Russell Wilson need an office? That's my question. Who does he think he is? But apparently he has an office that's separate than the rest of the locker room. What is he doing? He just goes in there and watches film, I guess. Chills. Hangs out. That would be like me getting an office for the show and just leaving you to... Yeah. 
Like, why does he get special? <laughs> and that was kind of the question. And he's the new guy. You know, and everybody came out and said, well, he didn't get preferential treatment. You have your own stinking office. You're not even a part of the team. But Broncos got you. Let's ride. Yeah, they're not riding anywhere. Down the trains. <laughs> uh, Can't get a head coach. Or an offense coordinator. So you're. So let's just be clear before we hop off today. You're not paying $5,500 No. for a Super Bowl ticket. No. That's asinine. I would be gonna coin that phrase. Yes. So y'all heard it here first. Stephen A's got blasphemous. I have asinine. It's stupid and it's foolish to pay that much money just to sit in the nosebleed seats. I could stay and watch at the home. game on your phone. Yes. I could stay at home and watch it on my big screen TV on my own couch, my own food, my own family, and be just fine. You can't see them players from up there. You gonna, the best you're going to see is that there's the screen and the ceiling. That's the, the Super Bowl. I don't care, man. America's I don't care. Game. Listen, I wouldn't even go I wouldn't even go to see Rihanna perform cuz I think that's budgeted in with that with that price. I don't like Rihanna so, that much. So, speaking of that, you, we haven't talked about it on the show, but you and I have talked about it. you know those performers don't get paid. Oh yeah. I did a I did a uh, research on that when I was in college. I didn't know that. I thought they got paid something, but no, they don't get paid anything. To, and they, what it is, the NFL chalks it up to publicity, and which used to that was like the pinnacle, like yeah. Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, got you know people like that. They you know if you got to perform in the Super Bowl, you had finally made it. Yeah. Now it it doesn't feel like it carries the same amount of weight. As yeah. far as getting you out there. Now it's more retreads. I mean, last year we had Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Yeah, but see, that was the... See, but that one made sense because... It really did because it's in L.A. I thought that was by far the greatest halftime performance we've had in a long time. Yes, and not only that, it was the resurfacing of Dr. Dre. Yeah. And then Snoop Dogg as the owner of Def, uh, owner and uh, runner of Death Row Records. So that was a resurfacing in L.A. and, and of Dr. Dre and that... Record company, like, hey, we're back. Yeah. We're back over to take over the L.A. scene. And so, yeah, I'm with you. That was one of the, I would say, the greatest of our time uh, Super Bowl performances. But, um... So, Rihanna... I, yeah, yeah I, Rihanna's the halftime show this year, right? Yeah, I know she's going to sing Umbrella. Uh, <laughs> that every, I'm telling you she's going to do well, that. It's like The weekend, You know, that did it in 2020, and everybody knew exactly what he was going to sing. Yeah. She's and gonna, we heard it a thousand times in the commercials before he ever performed. Like, and so by the time he performed, it was like, okay, yeah. So, like, we've seen this. Like, it, it, all she's gonna do is her old songs. She won't do any new songs. Uh, I, I don't know who 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 picks these lists. Is it Jay Z? Yeah, I think it is Jay Z. I think he's over the halftime performances. Oh, is he really? I, I, I believe so. We I, you got to look him. that up. Okay, but, we need to write him but, but and here's, say, here's, we want to see the Luke. But here's the thing. If Jay-Z is over it and he and she sees Umbrella, that means he's going to perform too because he has a verse in that song. So so it's rigged. He, want, he wants more exposure. If you want to do that, just schedule your wife. Yeah, just do that. Wait, so when's the... Uh, doesn't Dallas have a Super Bowl coming up? 
I want to say in the next two or three years. Yeah, okay, we need to petition right now for the Luke. Luke has to perform. I don't care. Luke, and, and when we say the Luke, we're talking about Luke Combs. Luke Combs has to perform. When the Super Bowl hits Dallas, that year happens. Because he, that halftime show he did last year at Thanksgiving was... Yes, he had... Luke Combs has to be... I'm, I'm, I'm standing right now, and if you're watching, put it out there, share it, coin this segment, whatever you want to do. Luke Combs. Luke Combs has to be the performer of the Super Bowl when it hits Dallas, Texas, in Arlington. Yes. Hashtag Cowboys. Yeah, hashtag ATS, hashtag. Yes. And, and I'm even pushing for him to be the voice of the Dallas Cowboys right now. And I mean, he's a, he's a hot commodity. He's... In he country really music, he's my favorite artist. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Luke Combs, by the way. Yeah, big fan of Luke Combs. And, I mean, we come on. Luke. Yes, just we want Luke. We want Luke. All right, well, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Uh, regular time, 9 to 11. Hopefully, I'll be a little bit better, but every day is the Super Bowl. We're, we're dedicated, not dead. Every yeah. day. <laughs>